Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, please. Isaiah has been called the courtly prophet of the Old Testament. He's one of the outstanding men of God who served the Lord from 745 to 695 B.C. He was a son of Amos, first cousin of King Uzziah, the grandson of King Josiah. He's quoted more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament prophet. He was martyred by Manasseh, a king, because Isaiah took a strong stand against the idolatry of that day. In his book, there are seven basic messages. And one Israel going into exile, sin, divine judgment on sin. Isaiah is very, very potent in discussing this. Number two, the return from Babylon. There will be 70 years of captivity, but they're coming back to their promised land. Number three, preaching concerning the coming of the Messiah. He said perhaps more about the coming of Jesus than any of the other prophets of the Old Testament. Number four, blessings on the Gentiles. He said, the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the rising of thy glory. Number five, the day of vengeance of the Lord on sin. God hates sin. Number six, the future reign of the Messiah in the kingdom age. This is one place that many, many conservative Bible believers seem to misunderstand. In one sense, the believers, the Christians today, are the new Israel. That did not mean that he put away Israel. Paul said one day, has God forsaken Israel? Has he put it away? God forbid. And he said, my message is to the Jew first and also the Greek. And all the way through the Old Testament and indications in the New, that God has his own Israel, hand on Israel. So in 1948, when Israel went back and gathered again in the land of Palestine, which really was the land of Israel, there was never a name Palestine given to that nation, that area. There was never a Palestinian state. Uh, political people in our day have made much of that. But when they went back in 1948, this was one of the prime evidences they were living in the last days. Jesus said concerning that event, this generation shall not pass away till the Son of Man comes. Now what is meant by generation, we're not sure. Some think 20 years, some 25, some 30, some feel a generation is 100 years. We don't know exactly how long. We do know that Jesus is coming again. He's going to establish a kingdom. And then last of all, the new eternal heaven and the new earth. So Isaiah said a whole lot about all those things. And uh, as we think about it this morning, I want you to think of the subject, here am I, send me. What are the prerequisites for service? If you want to become a doctor, you have to train to be a doctor. 
Every once in a while we read in the paper about somebody who's been, had a, who's, who'd been doctoring people for five or 10 years and they finally discovered he never went, to edu- never went to school, he didn't know a thing about it, he's just posing as a doctor. If you want to have eye surgery, you want to go to somebody that knew how to operate on the eye. He had edu- education, he prepared himself, he's qualified. Well, there are qualifications for service to the Lord. And in this chapter, we read about those qualifications. And uh, every one of us could do well to observe these and think them through and, and classify our own lives in regard to these qualifications. Number one, the timing. Look in chapter six, verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says a definite time. Sometimes we talk to people about their faith in Christ and say, well, I've always been a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was a little child. No, there has to be a definite time when you give your heart to Christ. And in Isaiah's case, it was the year that Uzziah died. Keep in mind, he was the first cousin of the king. He knew the king. It really hurt him. He went to the temple. Secondly, he had a vision. First, there has to be a definite time when you yield your life to serve him. Secondly, he said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. Now what is this qualification? A vision of who God is. You cannot come to God unless you know you need him. Someone said, who lived in Hollywood, one of the movie actors said, I know God, he's a living doll. Others said, well, he's the man upstairs. Well, all are colloquial expressions that do not tell much about God. And if that's the evidence of our vision of God, it's very inadequate. Isaiah saw the holiness of God. He was in the presence of the Lord. He was in the temple. He was in the presence of the Lord. He saw these seraphs, and this was a vision, of course. He saw seraphs flying around, and they cried out one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. In other words, Isaiah had a representation or a recognition of how great God is. We sing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And when you come to Christ, when you come to know him as your Savior, you begin to recognize that he's something more than you have. You need something you don't have. When I was a young boy, I used to go to church. I was not a Christian, I was not saved. I knew that, not because somebody told me, because I sensed it. When the preacher would preach, I knew he was talking about something I needed but I didn't have. 
I was on a train going to Florida one day and a Jewish lady asked me, she was a converted Christian, she was a Christian Jew, she said, are you a Christian? I said, no, I'm not. How'd I know I wasn't? God had showed my heart that I wasn't. Now, there are people in this auditorium this morning who may not be Christians and may not even know you're not a Christian because you've not seen a real vision of who God is. God is not some object that you worship. God is not a church. God is not a human being. God is not a song. God is not a game. Our God is the Holy One of heaven. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We sing that sometimes. And that's what Paul had to, or rather Isaiah had to visualize before he could serve the Lord. Now there are a lot of people that just jump on the bandwagon and start serving, but they soon, perhaps they serve for the wrong reason, maybe to serve to satisfy some, uh, something in their own height. Some people enjoy serving other people and that's good. But the main reason we serve the Lord is because of who God is. God is somebody. He's not just the doll upstairs. He's not just the man upstairs. He is the creator of the universe. In the beginning, God. You stretch your mind back as far as you can possibly stretch it, you have to go up farther because God was there all the time. There was never a beginning with God. In the beginning, as we see it, God was there. In the end, God will be there. He is from everlasting to everlasting, the eternal God. Well, Isaiah felt all this. He began to see the Lord. Then he saw himself. Look in verse five. Not only did he see the Lord, then he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. How did he know he was unclean? He had seen the Lord. Have you ever really visualized who God is? We begin to realize who he is and how unholy we are. We're gonna be lifted out of the quicksands of sin and say, Lord, I need you. I need thee every hour. I need thee. That's the reason when a person has a hard time understanding what's right and wrong, usually, listen carefully, usually it's because he's not really saved. An unsaved person doesn't see anything wrong with dancing and drinking and carousing and uh, premarital sex and all those things. They don't see anything wrong with that. Or they might have been taught better by their family, but really they don't see any really wrong thing about that. Why? Because they're not changed. They've never seen the holiness, the holiness, the holiness of God. But when you get a vision of the holiness of God, you'll recognize there has to be modesty about my life. You don't run around half naked. You don't run with the crowd that runs half naked. There's something inside that says, God is holy and I need to be holy too. And I'm not holy, so I need something I don't have. 
That's where Isaiah was. He said, I'm undone. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I, 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 I need the Lord. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm unclean. Now, it wasn't very long he was in that condition till God did something. You see, God takes the initiative in our lives. We don't seek him. He seeks us. But sometimes we can't understand him seeking us until we come to the point of knowing who he is. We just drift along, case or all, so all, whatever it's going to happen, be going to be, it's okay, to make any difference. But when we get a vision of who God is, then we're going to realize we need something we don't have. And he said, I saw the Lord, then I saw myself. We begin to see ourselves, we recognize there's a tremendous need. Now, notice the cleansing. Verse 6, God takes the initiative. Some people say, well, I can come to God anytime I want to. You're putting a strong focus on yourself. You really can't come to God anytime you want to. You come to God when he speaks to your heart. We say, he's never spoken to my heart. Is it because you've not been quiet enough before him so he can hear you? You could hear him. Notice, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I'm a sinner. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, mark that in your Bible. Then flew one of the seraphs unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar. He laid it upon my mouth. God did all this. I didn't go after God. God went after me. He sought us. And he laid that live coal from the altar on my mouth. And said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy, lip, thy sin is purged. God did it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Isn't that remarkable? Remarkable. Just think of what God has done for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a tremendous thought. I've heard a lot of people's testimonies in years gone by. Invariably, the ones who are serving the Lord have said without necessarily using the same words, I saw the Lord, and I saw myself. And I realized I needed something I didn't have. That's the way I felt. I remember those experiences in church. I was a young boy. The preacher would preach. He'd point out to the congregation. I thought he was pointing right to me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was pointing to my heart and saying, you need something that he's talking about. You don't have it. I knew I needed it. All right. Now, he said, I was touched by God. Last night I had the privilege of being at Mount Tabor, and Brother Ronnie was with me there. That's where Brother Barry is a pastor. And one of the men sang, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. He's a blind man. He sang it with real experience. And man, the whole place was shaken with the power of God. I saw the Lord. 
And listen, when you see the Lord, he changes you. That's what Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Then I saw myself. I realized I needed something I didn't have. And then I had the assurance your sin is purged. You're forgiven. You just think when you come to Christ, all your past is behind you. Rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. All the burden of my heart rolled away. All the sins had to go neath the crimson flow. Rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. Every burden of my heart rolled away. When Christ comes in, he forgives. He saves. How long does he save? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I give unto you eternal life. This life is in his, his son. And when you have the life of God in your life, and you're in his hand, he says, I'll never throw you out. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So you come to Christ with yourself, your sins, your, forgive, your, your unforgiveness, all the things, and God suddenly transforms you into a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. The world, the flesh, and the devil no longer have a real strong attraction for you. You're changed. Now, from time to time, the pull may pull you back. You know what a teenager is? A teenager is somebody's between being a child and being an adult. And the adult pull and the child pulls sometimes almost pulls the teenager in between. That's when they call them teens. They're twins. They're tween being a child and being an adult. And it's tough. The emotions go up, the emotions go down. It's tough. But when you come to Christ, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, look what happened next. And this is the heart of the message. Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? He didn't hear this till after he got changed. R.G. Lee tells the story of his salvation. He said his church was in a revival and he felt convicted. He wanted to go and he didn't trust Christ. But the next day he was out plowing the mule. And the conviction of the God came so much across him, his heart, he knelt right there in the field and gave his heart to Christ. He said, I got up, I looked across over toward the city and there was a tower of a church. He said, I heard God say, Robert Lee, I want you to preach my word. He was saved and surrendered to preach the same day. He heard the voice of God. He said, here am I, Lord, use me, send me. And God began to use him. So Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. This was God's call in his life. With Isaiah, apparently it was the same day he got saved. He gave his heart to Christ. He saw the Lord. He saw himself. God took the initiative and sent a live coal from the altar and purged him. He was forgiven. Then he heard a voice saying, who will I send? Who will go? And I said, Lord, here am I, Lord, send me. Send me, use me. But look what happened, the assignment. Beginning in verse nine, the assignment. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy 
shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. The assignment was given. You go. And like many of us, Isaiah said, Lord, how long? How long am I supposed to do this? Should I do it till I'm 20? Or till I'm 30? Or till I get tired? Till something else attracts me? How long should I do it? Lord, how long? Verse 11. And he answered, Until the cities be waste without inhabitant, the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land, but yet it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, it shall be eaten as a tail tree, as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. So what he's saying is, you go, some will hear you and some won't. You go until there's nobody else that will hear you. And when that time comes, I'll take you home. But you keep on going, keep on going, keep on serving. How long shall I be a Sunday school teacher? Keep on forever. My brother was a Marine. He was a chaplain in the Air Force. He was a pastor in Tennessee. He was a pastor in South Carolina. He was a pastor in Missouri, a pastor in Kentucky. He taught at Moody Bible Institute for 16 years. He went to Clear Creek, taught there five years and retired. Went to Campbellsville and taught there. He's still teaching there. He's not a pastor any longer. He teaches a science school class. He's 85 years old. When shall I quit? When there's nobody else to talk to. You just keep on going. You don't ever quit. Well, I've done it long enough. Let George do it. Let some young guy come along and do it. You keep on until God takes you home. That's what he's saying to Isaiah. Keep in mind who Isaiah was. He was kin to the king. He went to the temple because he heard the voice of God. He was in grief over the death of his cousin. And while he was there, he saw the Lord. He heard about holy, holy, holy. God is holy. Then he saw himself in need of something he didn't have. And then God took the initiative came into his life, forgave his sins, and then Isaiah heard a voice, who will I send? Who will go? Isaiah said, here my Lord, send me. Have you ever said that to the Lord? Years ago, Carrie Ramswell wrote these words. It may not be on the mountain height or o'er the stormy sea. It may not be at the battlefront, my Lord shall have need of me. But if by a still small voice he calls to pass, I do not know. I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in thine. I'll go where you want me to go. Perhaps today there are loving words which Jesus would have me speak. There may be now in the paths of sin some wanderer whom I should seek. O Savior, if thou wilt be my guide, though dark and rugged the way, my voice shall echo the message sweet. I'll say what you want me to say. There's surely somewhere a lowly place in earth's harvest field so wide. 
where I may labor through life's short day for Jesus the crucified. So trusting my all into his care, I know thou lovest me. I'll do thy will with a heart sincere. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Or mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. That's what Isaiah said. And for the next many, many years, in the face of opposition, in the face of some acclaim, some applause, some thundering against him. Finally, ending up before Manasseh, that great courtly prophet Isaiah was strung between two trees and sawed in two. Why? Because it took a, sin, a stand against the sin of his day. Ladies and gentlemen, God has his hand on somebody else here in this room. Maybe to teach a class, maybe to be a deacon, maybe to sing a solo, maybe to be a preacher, maybe to be a song leader, maybe to be a teacher in a Christian school. Whatever God wants you to do. Is there anybody here who would say, I'm willing, I'll do it for Jesus' sake. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, help someone today to offer his life on the altar for service. To say, Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll serve you, Lord. And Lord, help us to understand it begins by knowing Jesus and recognizing who he is and inviting him to come into our lives to be our personal savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Jesus was God's only son. He died on a cross for my sins and yours. The reason for that was to pay for your sins. Every sin, every transgression has to receive a just recompense or reward. Either you accept the payment for your sin and spend eternity in hell, or you trust the one who died for you. I want to encourage you to trust Christ. While we sing this great hymn, Without Him I Could Do Nothing, 468, is that right? 468. As we sing, do what God tells you to do. Come to Him, trust Him, offer your life to Him while we sing.